0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the story of Jesus turning water into wine. That's the wedding of Cana story. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea or a glass of wine, strap on your running shoes or pick up your knitting needles and crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensolo. I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon.
1: And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, I've heard of this one. Yeah. And pretty much all through my childhood and adulthood, I'm like, the best miracle ever. (laughs) But give us a little backstory. Where does this fall? Where does this come in the Gospels?
0: A great question. So this is one of those stories that is only in one of our four Gospels. Oh, interesting. And it is in the Gospel of John. Okay. So we've talked before about how Matthew, Mark, and Luke are similar and John is quite different Mm -hmm. as far as the Gospels go, this is one of those pieces that stand out in the Gospel of John as being unique and different. It happens early in the Gospel narrative. Okay. So the Gospel of John opens with that beautiful prologue chapter, and the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and Uh and we're very John Lennon-y,
1: floaty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're in a Beatles tune.
0: Totally. Okay, and then we get John the Baptist coming and pointing the way and... The quote of Isaiah. So that's kind of your first chapter. And then chapter two begins with this
1: story. Okay.
0: And this is the first of the signs of Jesus.
1: Okay. So he's 30s, right? Yep. He's 33. He's 30 years old. Okay.
0: So it's after he's been baptized. He gets baptized at 30 okay. by John in the wilderness. And then this is... In the Gospel of John, they say this is the first of his signs. This is the first action that he took in public ministry. Okay. So he's shown up. He's gone to this wedding in the city of Cana. And... Does it matter whose wedding it is? Well, there are lots of things that we can think about when it comes to this. It's probably someone that he knows. Okay. And weddings at the time, historically, happen over a couple of days. Okay. So he shows up with his buddies, and they're drinking. Well, yeah. And they're having a great time. Because it's a wedding. Right? And it's possible that it could be someone in the family because his mother is there. Okay. So Mary is at the wedding and she comes up to Jesus and says, they are out of wine. Mm. You better do something about this. And he responds with, woman, it is not my time. Mm. And Mary looks to a steward and says, you. Do whatever he says.
1: As if you're going to do it, whether you think you're going to do it or not.
0: Precisely. Okay. So Mary kind of steps back, claps back to her son a little bit. No, young man, figure this out. And so Jesus at that point goes to these barrels, these big, ginormous barrels of water. And they're barrels that the water would be used for cleansing rituals. Okay. And he blesses them. And it turns that ritual cleansing water into wine.
1: Okay. So not just that he went to some fountain and magically the water now is flowing as wine.
0: Right. No. These are big barrels of water. He said, take these barrels, fill them with water, and then serve it. And it became wine. Nice. So there's so much that can be unpacked about this particular story. We can unpack the idea, you know, did Jesus bring a bunch of friends that drank out the wine because they're a little bit of a drunkard? So he felt
1: responsible for replenishing? Or his mom said, you are responsible for sure. replenishing,
0: right? We don't know that, but there's things that you can think about. But the unique part of this that people often pick up on is that then what happens is they serve this wine, the wine steward serves mm-hmm. this wine out to the guests, and the response is... To the host family, most people serve the best wine at the beginning of a celebration. Well, sure. When you can actually taste it. Exactly. And then when all the people are drunk, you pull out the worst. Mm-hmm. But you have saved the best for last. Mm. This is the best wine that has ever been created. This is the most flavorful. And what a gift and what a unique celebration. What a unique thing that you have done. And this twist of the goodness coming at the end of the big celebration is one of those pieces that's noted. The other thing that's noted about this story is that the servants know exactly where the wine came from.
1: Are they the only ones? Mm -hmm. So the host doesn't even know. He just went, well, I guess I'm good. Probably sloshed, right? Sure.
0: But the servants are all aware of where this
1: wine comes from. Interesting.
0: And he didn't want to do it. Jesus didn't want to do it, right? Like he tells his mom, no, I'm not going to do this. And in this moment, this first action, you know, I can imagine the servants already beginning to tell the stories.
1: Well, yeah, but it's not like then there was a big giant finger pointing to this guy. He's responsible. (laughs) And then Jesus turns to his mom and goes, see, this Mm -hmm. is why I didn't want to do it. Told ya Exactly. Okay, so if the servants were the only one, what are we supposed to take away from this? It's not like it was a public action, and now everybody knows that he's the one, right? Right.
0: And one of the things that's unique about the Gospel of John is this use of the word sign. Okay. We have the stories of the miracles of Jesus.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And we talk about them as the miracles of Jesus. John talks about them as the signs of the coming kingdom.
1: So he doesn't actually use the word miracle? He does May? but
0: not, not on that all way. of not in this setting and not in a, several other settings that people would think of as a miracle. This matters because the Gospel of John is constantly about pointing to. Okay. I've preached about this before, and I've talked about how, like, when you see a billboard sign on the freeway for Burger King. You don't pull off the freeway, climb up to the billboard and try to eat the hamburger that's on the no, billboard. No, not so much. Right. Because it's a sign that is pointing you to the drive through right? It's pointing you to the restaurant. And when you get to the restaurant, you don't try to actually eat the menu, right? Because sure. the menu is a sign that points you to what you're actually looking for, which is the food, the sustenance that you're trying to seek. And so a sign is not something that is an end in and of itself, even though you might receive something that you need from it. You might receive information or you might receive some kind of fulfillment from that sign. What you're actually looking for is beyond that sign. You still need to go to it and you still need to receive it. And so the miracles are not called miracles in the gospel of John. They are signs because they're pointing to something greater. It's not just that there was enough wine so that there wasn't public humiliation of this couple. It's not just that there was enough wine so the party could continue. It's not only that this was the best wine that was created. And so much that they probably could have, I mean, the wealth from this wine would have gone on for ages. This is 120 gallons of the best wine Mm. that was given at the end of this party. So I ran out the math on this. Mm -hmm. That's 605 bottles of wine. It's a lot of wine. It's a lot of wine. Have you ever heard of a Nebuchadnezzar bottle? Not as a bottle, no. It's 20 bottles of wine in one bottle. Nice. It's a Nebuchadnezzar and it's 30 Nebuchadnezzars, 600 bottles of wine, right? So not only is it this temporal wealth, this public face-saving event, Mm -hmm. and all those things. But the sign points to something more. It points to God and God's abundance and God's wish for abundance for God's people. It points to the kingdom of God where all have enough and no one has too much and people are provided for. And it points beyond the individual moment to something greater. So when in the Gospel of John, you have the miracle feedings, Mm -hmm. they're not just called miracles. They're called signs. Okay. Because it's not about just feeding someone right now. It's about pointing to that kingdom that is breaking into the world and changing the world as it is.
1: Well, that was going to be one of my other questions is, is this the only sign of this nature? Because most of the signs that I can think of offhand tend to be of a healing nature.
0: Sure. Sure. And there are lots of healings that happen throughout the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Jesus spends most of his time healing, <laughs> but when it comes to these particular signs, it culminates in the healing of Lazarus. The wedding at Cana is the first sign and the raising of Lazarus is the last sign. Okay. There are food signs along the way and there are definitely healing signs along the way resurrection sign of Lazarus being kind of that big culmination Mm -hmm. at the end. So there's a whole host of different ones across the gospel of John Mm -hmm. and they kind of echo and follow along. Maybe someday we'll do a podcast on the uniqueness of the I am statements in the gospel of John. Okay, Like I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am all through the gospel of John. It's very intentional. And so... That kind of flavor, that kind of piece, is part of what sets that gospel uniquely apart. And this sign from the wedding at Cana is the first moment of it right at the top of chapter
1: two. Is it a big part of chapter two? Is it a big part of John or is it just a tiny little blip on the way?
0: It's 11 verses. Yeah. So it's a part of the story just kind of goes along. But it's one of those pieces that if you start digging at it, you're going to find a lot. But that's how John is in general. With the Gospel of John, you can take two verses, and you can start digging at it, and you
1: can find volumes of levels to read. Well, why do you think it is as popular as it seems to be? Is it simply because we're all fascinated with the water to the wine part of it?
0: (laughs) It is curious, isn't it? Because I think I had even heard about this before I was ever a Christian. This idea that Jesus can turn water into wine and Jesus can walk on water Mm -hmm. were kind of these two concepts that I had heard of prior to being a person of faith. I don't know. You know, maybe it's that that kind of a sign, just the vast abundance of it mm-hmm. and the grace of it. And it wasn't people were starving. Mm-hmm. Right? It wasn't
1: necessary for their survival.
0: No, this was like, God loves it when you party.
1: <laughs> That's certainly not what has ever been preached to me on this particular subject right? before. Right?
0: But God wants you to be joyful. God, Mm -hmm. God enjoys a good party and a good glass of wine Mm -hmm. and that abundance and that richness, it feels kind of, you know, in North American Christianity where we've been so affected by the puritanical culture and those kinds of pieces, so pious, Mm -hmm. and the North American piety is such a big deal to know like Jesus was like party hard. And probably his buddies drank up a lot of the wine that was expected. So he supplied some more, you know, his mom made sure he
1: stepped it up. Mm -hmm. I
0: don't know. I think it's a beautiful story. There's lots to unpack in it. That's for sure.
1: Okay. Then my last question to you is, do you like to preach on it? Or is it one of those where it's harder and harder to unpack every time?
0: I think it gets harder to unpack because, you know, this comes around in the lectionary quite a bit. This will be coming up in the next week or so here. It's very helpful to have gotten the degree that I did. Sure. Because this has a great metaphor to it, right? You can take the wine and you can unpack it. That's how I know what a Nebuchadnezzar of wine is. Mm -hmm. And I have some colleagues who have flat out brought a Nebuchadnezzar of wine in. Nice. For the day and poured glasses of wine for people. There's something very visceral and something very tangible about this particular text that could be fun to preach on. I don't know that I could source a Nebuchadnezzar of wine in time, (laughs) nor do I know that we need to spend that much money on wine for a sermon. But it's a great idea, right? It's just a great visual. Mm -hmm. But yet again, you have to get past that. The wine is not the story. Mm -hmm. You got to look beyond the sign. And I don't know if people are tired of hearing me preach
1: that about the gospel of John yet or not. I don't think so. I mean, I think anytime you can tease a little something else out of it, because it's one of those that comes around often enough, like the prodigal son or Mm -hmm. the Good Samaritan. It's like, oh, can there even be any new (laughs) nugget that comes out of this? And I'm always fascinated when there is.
0: Yeah. It's astonishing when stories actually hold up and keep speaking, keep whispering, Mm -hmm. give it space and time. You can unpack the whole situation between in the conversation between Jesus and his mom right there. Mm -hmm. Because the word that he uses for his mom is diminutive and dismissive. Oh, He doesn't use like, mom, really? Do I have to do this? He uses like, woman,
1: Mm. what are
0: you doing? And he's really kind of a bit of a rude jerk. So it's one of the many moments where we see women standing up to jesus who is absolutely still a first century palestinian male Mm -hmm. and while he interacts with women which is huge in and of itself that kind of tension of being rude first before Mm -hmm. he admits to and sees and values their humanity
1: yeah because at 30 he should know better
0: right well but he's acting perfectly appropriately culturally
1: even towards his mom? Even
0: towards his mom. Okay. Right? Like he, his reaction is not uncalled for within the culture. What's amazing is that he follows through by doing the right thing, mm-hmm. by listening to her and by valuing her perspective and taking action. That's what's unique about Jesus. He's not a modern feminist, right? He's just not. He's a product of his own culture. Mm-hmm. But what marks him as being able to be seen in a feminist light is that he does take the step that is beyond what would be the common cultural time. And he listens to the women after he dismisses them.
1: Do you think the whole comment about it's not my time, do you think then that this story is there to push the narrative forward or... Would there be no other way to jump into and now we're on the road and he's teaching and he's miracles and all this other stuff? Isn't that a great question?
0: I don't know. It certainly is a fascinating narrative device. That his mom forced the issue? Yeah. With a miracle? That something kind of forced it Mm -hmm. to happen. But it's not in any of the other Gospels. True. So, you know, the curiosity around why did it show up and yeah, there's lots to ponder, lots to play with in the text. So... Who knows? I have no idea how good the sermon will be, but we'll hear the story again.
1: Sounds good. Well, thank you, Pastor Manner, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about turning water into wine. I look forward to sitting down with you another week
0: on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us. We would love to hear from you. You could leave us a review at iTunes or reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. We'd always love to hear your thoughts back on Facebook, so feel free to reach out. In the meantime, until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you, no matter what.